0: Hello and welcome to Humming Fools, a podcast and amateur auditory guide hosted by nobodies and dedicated to the artists, dreamers, or anyone out there with the creative urge. I am one of your nobodies, Kyle Stook, and later I will be joined by our guest, Stevie Joffe, a Canadian actor and the lead singer of the alternative folk rock band, Birds of Bellwoods. Guys, first off, if you're a longtime listener, I apologize. I, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to sound, but I am doing it on my phone, not on my super sexy, delicious, yummy, goodness uh, microphone that I normally do at home. I'm currently in my office. It was a long day and I don't have time to do what I uh, normally do because uh, Murphy's Law likes uh, slapping Papa on the cheeks every now and then. Hopefully you're not leaving after that terrible sentence. So if you're sticking around, thank you for, uh, the grace. And if you're new and you're still here, I am so sorry. Um, it's only going to get weirder, honestly, is what I'll say. So, um, you've been warned, but man, guys, I, uh, I'm so happy. Um, and I I say that almost every time. (laughs) I think I have said it every time uh, whenever we have an interview, because it's so cool getting to, uh, Getting to do this—it's like nuts to freaking listen to music that you just think is amazing, and then get to talk to the person who who makes it. You know, we talked about this um, a long time ago on Humming Fools. We we bring it up every now and then, but I'm a shy little introverted child, and so um, for me, it was hard connecting um, sometimes with the artists that I, I I love because I was I didn't want to just walk up to them and say, hey, I. I love you, um, that scared me. It was very intimidating, and maybe some of you guys can relate. And so a big part of designing the show is just a way to have a reason to talk to people that I thought, um, you know, were awesome. And so I just am so thankful for this show and for the community and stuff that's formed um, around it, because I, I likely never would have talked to Stevie if it weren't for this podcast, because A, he's in Canada. And and B, even if he's in the States, I would be like, who's that good looking redhead dude who has an amazing voice and is in a cool band? I don't know. I can't talk to him. I'm scared. And then I would clutch my pearls and kind of skimper off into a bush um, while giggling, probably. (laughs) I told you it was going to stay weird anyway. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just so happy. You know, whenever I uh, do the interview, I get a lot of adrenaline beforehand. I get nervous and I always go, oh, why did I? Why did I do this? Why do I put myself into stressful situations? Because again, I am a shy little baby. But afterwards, it's like over in the blink of an eye. And I'm just like, whoa, that was nuts. And then usually I go to bed because I'm tired. Or I eat dinner because I haven't eaten dinner yet. We've recorded strange times anyway. And so it's, it's always in retrospect while like editing and getting the episode ready that I'm like, wow, I talked to this person. We had a we had a conversation. I got to know them. They know my name. They saw my face. We spoke words. We shared giggles. Uh, we smiled. We, we cried. We we hugged digitally. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, long-time listeners, thank you guys so much for continuing to be here. It's so cool. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the community. Um, and it's just so fun to, to have this fun Uh, healthy, honest, but also like, you know, nurturing and like kind place while the world is kind of crazy. And I appreciate that we have our own little haven. (laughs) So let's keep it that way. And then for new time listeners, again, so sorry for the ways that it's gotten strange so far. Uh, Again, just a little taste of what you're going to get on Human Fools. But thanks for stopping by. Thanks for taking a chance on the show. I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, popping in and hanging out with a stranger. And hopefully, you know, at the end of this episode, I don't feel like a stranger. Hopefully I feel like a friend. And um, in keeping with, you know, the spirit of the show, feel free to reach out. Uh, our social media stuff is in the show notes, so you can contact me or you can contact uh, Noah and me. That's my creative partner uh, who's part of Ominous Media. Reach out to us if you want to talk or if you're interested in being on, show us your stuff. And, you know, uh we'll talk. It'll be beautiful. Um, So yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, I just am am so happy. Uh, (laughs) uh, This was great. Stevie's amazing. And I'm really looking forward to you guys getting to hear the conversation and hear his music if you haven't yet. Um, And for those who have, well, I'm excited for you guys to hear the conversation and, and to hear the bromance. So without any further ado, here is the interview. Well, here we are on Humming Fools. I'm happy. You're happy. You're wearing a sweater. Uh, your hair is overflowing beautifully. I normally feel like I am the, the king of hair. I, I pride myself on it, but I submit to you. I tonight. am sorry.
1: Tonight... My friend, you are you are outmatched.
0: I am, uh, but I I would have it no other way to be outmatched <laughs> by uh, Stevie Joffey. Stevie, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, now, Stevie, this is something we need to address. Do you normally is Stevie like amongst friends, and then in a professional setting, you're like call me Steve? Honestly, or is it, uh, uh, does it not matter for for a long?
1: Portion of my life, I tried to get away from Stevie because I thought it was kind of, like, infantilizing. Um, Mm. But it just always ended up getting back there. I think it's just kind of my vibe. I'm not a Steve, and though I try to be, I am not yet a Steven, so... Here I am, Stevie. Okay. And yes, it's generally reserved for friends, but I consider you a friend, so you go ahead.
0: Oh, heck. Well, thank you, Stevie. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, maybe, is Steve, like, maybe, like, if you have a, a loved one get mad at you, they go, Steve? Like, they kind of... Kintaro,
1: my bassist, often calls me Steve, um, mm. but I think it's it's more of a joke
0: than anything. Okay. okay. I'll follow up with him. i am like, are you joking? or He is might just always be address? mad at me. It's entirely possible, but... <laughs> Well, in that case, the the conflict makes great music, and so don't change anything. But um, try. Listeners, uh, if this is your first time on Humming Fools, welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm just going to walk you and Stevie through our schedule. We're going to start with Stevie telling uh, us a little bit about himself, his background, what he makes, how long he's been making it, why he makes it, all that tasty goodness. After that, we're going to take a song break. We're going to listen to what this man and his friends have created, and you're going to enjoy it. I'm not even... I'm not even giving you an option. You will enjoy. It. You and don't. That, you don't
1: have to enjoy it. You. You. But if you do, all all the better. I guess if if you can choose to enjoy it, I would recommend it because otherwise it's going to be <laughs> an unfortunate three minutes.
0: Yes, it's not a forceful thing. It's more of just like a an 100% invitation. Accurate prediction. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, an invitation. Yeah, I like that. That's why you're the, the famous musician and I'm not, because you have a better attitude than Famous is a bit of a stretch, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> um, and then after that, we're going to end with our Rapid Fire segment, which is where we'll ask quick and silly questions catered to Stevie that may or may not make him regret being on the show. Stevie, does that sound good? <laughs>
1: uh, that sounds great to me.
0: All right, Stevie, so let's start off with the obvious. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Uh, my name is Stevie. Uh, as we might have already mentioned, or Stephen Jaffe to some. Mm. Uh, I am an actor. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. I'm a wearer of sweaters. Uh, I Mm. have a lot of hats. Um, I guess the way that I like to think of it is that I'm a writer and a performer. So there's a lot of different Rivers, but they all end up with the same ocean, which is creating uh, cathartic experiences for people, whether that be live or on the page.
0: Very. Oh, that was delicious. That that you had that down to a science. That was very concise. Two I, s- to I you, swear friend. to
1: you, man. I really. I just improvised that.
0: <laughs> well, repeat that for the future. Like, listen to this and then write it down because that was good stuff. i got someone um, transcribing the interview as we speak. Okay. Not nice. actually, man. I was like, I wish I could have someone do that for me. Um, so then with that, again, we are going to dive into all the aspects of you. We're not going to just focus on Birds of Bellwoods. I want to hear about Stevie as a man, as a performer, a creative, a lover, a fighter, all those things. <laughs> but... um Let's just give a little background on Birds of Bellwoods. So how long have you guys been active? What kind of genre of music would you classify yourself as? And what are you guys working on right now?
1: Uh, Birds of Bellwoods has been a band for, I think, seven or eight years now, which is a bit crazy for me to say out loud. Um, We create music that I would say is now in the realm of alternative rock. Uh, If I'm going to use the long form, it's like indie alternative folk pop rock um nice we started as more of a folk outfit um but as the music kind of developed it uh went in a more um active direction uh our shows got louder and sweatier and more dancey and then the drums got involved and the synths got involved mm. and now yeah we're, we're getting a lot of play on alternative radio and that kind of thing um we recently released a self-produced ep called album b Uh, Mm. that was our release for 2021. Uh, it was a five song project. It was our first time, uh, producing music entirely by ourselves. Um, and we did it because the sophomore album that we've been creating with a producer named Dave Schiffman, uh, has been in the works for quite some time. And as we were writing that album, there were several songs, that were more suited to our earlier persona, the more folky vibe. Um, mm. And we loved these songs and we thought they were important songs, but we knew that they weren't going to fit on this rock album that we were making. So we decided to take it unto ourselves to create them in their entirety uh, at home. Um, so we managed to do that over the course of quarantine. Uh, and that was our most recent release. I also just directed a music video. It was my first time directing a music video for, uh, for the band or for anyone but it was for a song called Creep that is from that project, and I'm very excited about it. We just released that last week. And right now, we're in the process of mixing uh, our sophomore album, our second album. It's going to be 10 songs. It's going to be released over the course of this next year, and I'm very, very excited about it.
0: Oh, that's. Was- so good to hear because I've been clamoring for more stuff. So I'm excited that I'm, I'm going to get it. So that's really cool. And congratulations on getting to direct the music video. That's super sweet.
1: It was wild, man. It was a uh, really intense experience. We were working with a pretty shoestring budget and I had some pretty lofty goals for it. I was lucky that my band trusted me, trusted my vision and were willing to kind of see how far I could run with it. And I'm very happy with the project that we made. Uh, I'm very lucky to have worked with some very talented dedicated people on that project.
0: That's awesome. Well, we'll- we'll be sure to put the that music video specifically in the show notes as well so that people can uh give it a quick direct link and and see it. Speaking of your bandmates, can you give us just a quick rundown of everyone involved with Birds of Bellwoods and I would what be they happy play to. Slash what they do?
1: Uh yeah, so where to begin? We have Kentaro Akiyama. Kentaro Akiyama is a bassist. Uh for my money, one of the best bassists in Toronto. Um, He also does a lot of the production work. uh, So sometimes he plays guitars. He can basically play any instrument you put in front of him. It's pretty incredible. Mm. Uh, He also does background vocals. And yeah, he... I mean, we all write the songs together, right? No song is really Mm -hmm. fully a Birds of Bellwood song until we've all uh, put our little mark on it. So he's very much involved in the songwriting process. He's our bassist. He's a singer. Uh, He's an extraordinary man. That's Kentaro. Then we have Mm. Adrian Morningstar, uh, my right hand. Uh, He is another songwriter in the group. He plays acoustic and electric guitar and works with a lot of synth sounds. He's really getting into OP1 these days. Magical little tool from uh, teenage engineering. Um, So he does a lot of the synth work and he also has a hand in some of the production elements uh, and has been editing my, like, bushels of lyrics for, I guess, (laughs) even longer, maybe 10 years now. Uh, taking these novels that I write and cutting them down into like bite-sized songs that people actually want to listen to. Um, Then we have Chris. Chris plays guitar. Chris Chris plays banjo. Chris plays trumpet. Chris can also play pretty much any instrument you throw at him, but he plays it in his own special way. Um, He's a wonderful instrumentalist, also involved in the songwriting, of course. Um, And yeah, just a wonderful guy. Great at parties. Uh, And finally, we have Dylan. (laughs) Dylan is the newest member of the band. Dylan plays drums. He is starting to get involved in the songwriting process as well, uh, but primarily he's just an excellent drummer. Uh, I mean, like, intimidatingly good. Probably the best musician in the band.
0: Okay. That is is some nice praise uh, and some good love for the guys.
1: I like them all. What can I say? They're very talented.
0: (laughs) So... Going to y'all's origin, then how did uh, you guys get connected? You know, I mean, this is and this is the typical question, but we got to cover the bases, Stevie. Then we'll I get understand. To it. Don't you worry? <sighs> I get it. All right, this one I think I can do pretty
1: quickly. Uh, me, Adrian, and sorry, Kentaro, Adrian, and I went to yeah, that's high right. school you together. You use correct
0: English. Sean. I try no. to where I can. You know,
1: <laughs> if words are my job, then I should know how to do them goodly. Um, So Adrian and Kentaro and I all went to high school together. I actually knew Adrian from well before that. We were in a play together when we were only like eight and nine years old. Um, so we kept in touch. And then, yes, eventually we went to high school together. Uh, Quintaro was in the music program there. At the time, I didn't really play music. I wrote a little bit, and I was mostly an actor. Uh, then me and Adrian, Adrian and I, went to theater school together at the National Theater School of Canada. Uh, and after returning to Toronto, uh, music had become more of a part of my life. Uh, hmm during my time in theater school, I started to play music in front of an audience I was uh, convinced to at an open mic one night while very drunk on cheap white wine. And I found that <laughs> I really liked it. So what the heck? Let's do this thing. So at one point, uh, after a bad breakup, after theater school, I'm basically living on Adrian's couch. And there's a day where he eventually comes out to the living room and he says, look, um, I love you and all, but you need to either get your shit together or, mm-hmm. or we can start a band Um, and I said, well, I don't think I'm going to get my shit together, so I guess we should start a band. Uh, at that point, I reached out to Gintaro, uh, because he was the best musician I knew, and I thought if I wanted to play music, I needed a big gun on my side, so... He came along, uh, he was interested in songwriting out of the gate, and he made us much stronger. Uh, Shortly after that, we essentially won Chris in a poker game. Uh, I'd seen Mm. him performing recently. I saw him playing the instruments that I knew we needed in the group, and I invited him on board, and he was gracious enough to accept. Uh, From that point, we were Birds of Bellwoods, and we were playing music together. We had a number of drummers, uh, sometimes acting as our producer for earlier projects, a wonderful guy named Johnny Simmons who produced The Fifth and a a truly incredible talent named Jack Emblem who produced Victoria. Incredible drummer, incredible producer, currently working with uh, the likes of Jesse Gold and Devin and and some other amazing artists. Um, But when we found Dylan, when we started to play together with Dylan for live shows, originally he was just a live drummer, uh, we realized that we had found someone truly special um, and we realized that if we didn't get him on board in a permanent sense that... uh, you know, something else was going to run away with him. So we invited him on board as of, I think, like, right before the lockdown, essentially. And oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and and he kindly accepted, and now here we are, the five of us, Birds of Bellets.
0: Dane. Well, again, great job. Good answer. Very concise. You crushed it. You're <laughs> going to get all the points this, this, this interview. Unfortunately, you can't spend please. them anywhere, but... um I can spend them in future interviews, I'm sure. There you go. Yeah. Also, I love the idea of having an intervention. And the intervention is not just you have to get your shit together. It's or you yes. can do this other thing.
1: It's very <laughs> important. When presenting someone with an ultimatum, offer two options. They'll probably yes. take one.
0: Yes, that is true. They probably will. Um, something else I like to do on the show, um, both for the audience and just for uh the guest is basically give the origin story of how I came across them. So Stevie, Oh, I would love to hear that. Yeah. So Noah, my co-host, uh, he is not here because he he's gotten too busy and, and other stuff to to be part of the interviews, but he is still very much part of Humming Fools and Ominous Media. And so we do um comics together. Uh that's kind of our creative output is comic books. And so it was, I think it was 2018, um 2018 or 2017, and we were in his house, and I had recently heard Roll Your Stone, and I think I came across it on, like, Spotify's Discovery Weekly or whatever. Wow, that is a throwback. <laughs> yes, and I and I just loved it, and so I threw it into a playlist, and then while we would work, he would be illustrating and drawing, and I would be writing. We would just kind of throw music up on a cue, and so... Uh I it was my turn to play. And so I we I, we loved sharing stuff with each other. And so I was like, hey, listen to listen to this song. Like these guys, like like they're they're just different. They're just cool. And so I played it. And I never know what Noah's gonna think. Hmm. And I for whatever reason I'm always chasing his approval. Even though I, we're we're equals, it's still like I want him to like what I like. I think it's because he's French. Feel so the I same way about every higher.
1: member of my band.
0: Yeah, constantly yeah, it's chasing that it, man. Brotherhood thing or whatever. Yeah. So uh anyway played it and we both just he he I mean I already liked it but then we he really dug it and we both were just rocking out to it together in that that small little room of his previous house and it's just such a pleasant memory there's been other bands uh that we've played that we've had the the privilege of being able to then talk to um after just us together in a space just like lip syncing trying to hit hit notes failing to hit notes but um all that to say have liked you guys uh, for a while, and you are very, you know, the description of the the genre changing. It's true because it is, you know, that was something I was just kind of realizing. I think it's kind of like the uh, boiling the frog thing, too. Mm. Where for me, it's like been kind of a subtle change over yeah. time. But listening to now and back then, there is quite a big of a difference. But it's still, it's still similar enough to where it's like you know these are the same guys but it is cool because i love i love the old stuff but i also am very happy as a fan that i can equally love the new stuff and so that anyway, means the that world and i
1: really appreciate <laughs> that and that's that's really really cool to hear uh, tell tell no I, I send my best
0: I will and that will make him very happy we can, oh, so we'll do the you.
1: French interview afterwards and and, uh, and he can spearhead that one
0: I know we've had a lot of we've had a lot of Canadians recently and that was like when he decided to stop being on the show and I'm like dude I can't I can't do anything like mm-hmm. I, it, we gotta have some Latin Americans and I can I can do some Spanish but not I'm French, just so. I'm literally
1: engaged in a duolingo learning Spanish as we speak.
0: Very nice. Yeah, the... What was it? We had... The the person we had last time, Erin Fitzgerald, she's Canadian and uh, she was also using Duolingo. I forget what she was trying to learn. It might be Spanish as well. So you Canadians and you're Spanish. Well, I, I went down I to... It. I was
1: in Peru for a month uh, at the end of last year and I guess the beginning of this year. And um, I I was up in the mountains and I was I was in the jungle and I picked up like a bunch of Spanish while I was out there. But... Uh, I don't really have anyone to practice with in Toronto mm. um and my father was originally from Mexico City, so learning the language has helped me to feel a little bit closer to a side of my family that I don't get to talk to very much um so mm. yeah so i'm I'm really keen on it, although yeah the the people I live with are not as excited, constantly hearing me whisper Spanish words into my phone. <laughs>
0: There, that would be something funny to walk past a room and you're just hearing spanish being whispered yeah. into a phone it's like is this a secret or like what's going on yeah um,
1: donde está mi libro
0: yeah <laughs> what did you uh what did you think of peru by the way uh, in our email exchange i mentioned that you know i'm from ecuador and so that's kind of my, my neighboring country, and so I'm. I've never been to Peru myself, but I feel like it's very similar to Ecuador. It's so I'm curious.
1: the most beautiful place I have ever been, with the notable exceptions of Jasper and St. John's in Canada. Um, okay, Peru was it was a really eye opening experience. It was the best trip of my life, uh, and I felt very very lucky to be there and to experience so much. Um, it was me and my partner who went down there. We spent a week uh, hiking in the mountains, uh, we spent a week in the Amazon jungle, we spent a week in the desert, and like a, a week bumming around the different cities partying and surfing and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's an incredible culture. I think the people are so kind and uh, the history is so fascinating. And... Peru's just, it's it's fucking crazy because they have, I don't know how many climate zones there are in the world, but they have like three quarters of them in this one oh, yeah. stretch of country. So they grow, you know, they can grow uh, pumpkins and strawberries and, uh, you know, magic mushrooms and cactus and like uh, just there's everything. Everything, it's the greatest hits of the rest of the world, essentially.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. That's why I always tell people um, about Ecuador when they're asking for vacation spots, because I'm like, you can hit so many different things all yeah. within really short distance. So it's like, you want the jungle, boom; you want the beach, boom; you want kind of like the, the foggy Seattle, like Quito. That's it, you know. So yeah, that's snow awesome.
1: capped mountains, sprawling dunes, like the the great lush pharmacy of the world. It's all it's all waiting for you.
0: Yeah. Did, what was what was your favorite thing that you ate there? Um, that I ate. Yes, mm. like favorite oh, dish. Oh, ceviche!
1: Absolutely, the ceviche oh, in Lima yeah. was just insane. Just so so delicious, for sure. And then when we were in the Amazon, we had uh, like a pesca de uh, dorado, like a uh, ceviche, like goldfish ceviche. Mm. It was amazing because goldfish, to me as a Canadian, they're these little tiny quarter-sized fellows that you give to your kid that die in three years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, down the Amazon, goldfish are are big big boys you don't want to big boys yeah you don't want to run afoul of a goldfish out there that's right
0: yeah dude i was i was in a goldfish game when i was in ecuador and like we we did some damage mm. um, yeah but i can't legally talk about it so, don't worry let's, mo- okay, cool. let's move okay secret is safe on. with me my friend Thank you, Stevie. Um, Well, before we get too far into stuff, let's take a quick break. Let's listen to the music. This is Pine Box by Stevie and the rest of the boys from Birds of Bellwoods, and we'll be right back.
2: nothing at stake so you let yourself slide now you're slipping away yeah you're slipping away so all in everybody's losing because there's nothing to win you and not where you've been you are divided by where you could still be and then subtracted from the pieces of you that you still can't see you're chasing the same thing you buried in the backyard of the house you grew up in a pine box of nothing. (music) Scream out every song you ever heard. Be loud if you don't know the words. Just say sorry till you're blue in the face. It'll make you feel the same way and full of that glorious shame. Don't wait to lock the door and talk to yourself Before you know it, you'll be somebody else Breaking your mirror today Start with Mr. I don't think you ever told me a name But goddamn good game You're chasing the same thing.
0: Stevie, we're back. Can I tell you something? I missed you so much. I know it was only like two to three minutes, but I was so lonely while uh, while while we were gone listening. I've, Did you feel the same? I thought you didn't get my letter.
1: It didn't. Oh no, it didn't. No, arrive? I didn't. Keep an eye no. out. It's on its way. Okay.
0: Yeah. Are we? Is this like a short version of uh, the the Notebook?
1: Yes. <laughs> it can. It doesn't have to be short.
0: Oh, Okay. Cool. Cool. Let's go. The Notebook. The
1: Notebook Two. The notebook yes. three. Ooh. Notebooks Revenge.
0: Oh man. Notebooks Revenge is underrated. Um, let's go back to baby Stevie. So <laughs> Stevie came out of the womb, screaming, I assume. Kind of kind of kind of slimy. Actually, um, no,
1: I was notably a very quiet baby. Oh,
0: you but were. But my sneaky mother is a baby.
1: notorious liar, so she might have been exaggerating.
0: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So you didn't come out screaming, but you came out. Um when did when did you notice? Well, let's actually first off, I, let where were you born? Let's start with there and then we'll get into the other specifics.
1: I was born uh in Toronto, well in Scarborough technically. I was born at Scarborough Grace General Hospital, which is the hospital that my father was working at at the time. Uh mm. and yeah, so I was born I was born here in Toronto and I spent most of my life here. A little bit of time in Montreal when I was studying, traveled around a bit, but for the most part yeah, Toronto boy.
0: Okay, and then when when did you know, when, or when did you first notice the creative book? Obviously, in your intro, you mentioned that you do lots of other things. So it's not just music. We got music. We've got, we've got acting. We've, we've got writing. So what are some of the first creative stuff that you got involved in? And when did you first think of yourself as an artist? So
1: I've been acting um, since I was about six years old, actually. Um, when I was in kindergarten there was a project called A Cool Dry Place uh, with Vince Vaughn that was like shooting uh, near us and was basically just like going school to school looking for talent because they hadn't cast the the kid in that project. Um, so they came into my kindergarten and they were like, oh, he's cute, he's got funny hair. Um, he seems very extroverted. Mm-hmm. Let's get bring him in for an audition. I did audition. I did not get the part, but from that I got representation and I just like, I loved it right away. I think... Honestly, what kid wouldn't? It's just like attention, and you get to go to fun places, and everyone's always asking if you want a grilled cheese sandwich, um, and <laughs> they'll make you one, man, at any time of the day. Um, wow! So I, I loved the environment. I loved the the feeling that everyone was like working together to create this kind of magic thing. You know, I didn't understand the nuts and bolts of it, but I knew that when you put all these pieces together, you made movies, and and I loved movies. Um, So from that time forward, I really got bit by it. And uh, I've been working, yeah, like fairly consistently from my childhood um, through film, through television, um, eventually in theater. And then I got really enamored with theater. uh, And from there, I decided to kind of turn the magic into a science and go to theater school. Uh, But the entire span of that is also underscored by me writing um I've been writing poetry since I was yeah probably about six years old too I found nice I found this little book of poetry that I was writing uh when I was in grade five and Mm. the titles of the poems are like tears of rage and like (laughs) the the lonely man and you know heartbreak this and that so like yeah I've always been like this (laughs) um yeah yeah, so so i've kind of i've been doing it ever since then and and writing also took like more narrative places and because i was working in film and television i also took my hand at writing uh, screenplays um writing plays i've had some plays produced uh yeah i've just i've been doing it for as long as i can remember i've never really seen myself as anything else
0: yeah Uh, yeah also that yeah those uh those those poem titles, I was like, yep, I get that. I am notoriously angsty. And so I was like, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> I was like eight
1: eight years old and struggling with some pretty heavy feels. I don't know what I had to be so sad about. Well yeah. <laughs> eh, a couple of things. <laughs> Save that yeah, for another interview.
0: Yeah, well, we, let's not let's not put Steven down. I'm mm-hmm. sure, I'm sure it was warranted. Mm-hmm. Um so when did when did the the writing stuff come into play specifically was like that songs? kind of once well no like the like narrative like plays and stuff was that once you started like like theater schools uh, when once that interest came or
1: started then uh because i was also involved in like the theater program i was like oh theater mm-hmm. this is cool um it's like film and television but higher stakes you only get one shot and you're in the room with people and i was like very excited about the opportunity for like I keep using the word catharsis because I think it's quite important, but but sharing a space with a person uh, mm-hmm. in the context of art, right? I think there's something yeah. really magical that happens when you're actually in the room when you can when you can see the sweat, you know, when you can when you can feel it when when it's personal and it's direct. Um, so I got really into into that, and then yeah, it just kind of like naturally from poetry, it just kind of floated over. Uh, and and turned into stories, um, sometimes both at once. Uh, Yeah, and then from there, songs just kind of started happening because I I knew some instruments because I'd learned them in school and because my brother played guitar, so I wanted to play guitar. Uh, But I was in a high school program surrounded by, like, really, really talented musicians, people like Kentaro. Um, Mm -hmm. And so because I was kind of in film acting... And, you know, writing some words, I kind of thought, uh, this is something I do for fun, but it's not like my domain. I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to actually approach this medium in a professional sense. Um, Mm. and then, yeah, eventually I I was proven wrong. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And how was, how was your support system during this? Like, did you have affirming voices alongside you during this time? Because obviously the stereotype is with kids wanting to pursue art. It's, Oh, that's not a, realistic venture realistic career maybe it's good for self-expression but like you need to get a real job so Mm. did you hear that growing up or was it very different for you
1: it was different for me uh and i think a big part of that difference was that uh, i had been kind of successfully acting since i was six or seven right okay so because it was working out i think my parents were like well i'm who am i to tell him that this can't be a career it literally already is yeah so they were supportive and, um, I was surrounded by, by other young artists, uh, whose work I really respected, who, who I came up with. I have a friend mm-hmm. named Emily Jenkins, who like all of my, my first forays into narrative writing were, were like, is in a stairwell in my high school with her writing one thing and me writing the other. And then us like showing, showing these things to each other back and forth. Um, but yeah, my parents and my family were, were quite supportive because, uh, <laughs> because they've been it, it because it, it it had been proven I guess on some level yeah. um but I think uh often for artists or at least for me uh one of the the people that had the most trouble being supportive was myself um there's a constant mm. kind of sense of imposter syndrome especially when you're you're dipping your hand into a few different uh pools uh is the idea of well am I a writer or am I an actor and you know, if I don't like my acting, can it still be good? Do I need to like my acting? Does it matter if I believe what I'm saying, or does it matter if other people do? And if am I an actor or a writer? Surely I can't be that good of a writer if I'm spending all my time acting. This kind of thing. So I, mm-hmm. I struggled a lot with that, but I was very lucky to be surrounded by very supportive people. Yeah, and then from the time I was about 16 years old, I actually I I was able to. Well, yeah, I was I was I was supporting myself. Um, financially uh and that was through the work that I was doing acting or or had been doing acting um so that was another kind of reaffirming moment where I was like well I'm I'm if this isn't being an actor then I I don't really know what is
0: yeah absolutely well and then congratulations on on being able to do that that's super cool (laughs) would have been cool not to but you know yeah yeah (laughs) yes but it's like, yeah, the fact that you are, like, supporting yourself through art is pretty sweet. So, um, But it doesn't mean that it's any less difficult or a grind. So yeah. it's not just like, you're done, Stevie. You get to relax now. It's like, no, I know it's work. No, and um, we have a saying in Canada cool. that
1: there's there's a ladder of success, but it's tilted on its side. So we all just kind of uh, walk back and forth horizontally and, mm. and never get any further.
0: Pessimistic Canadians, but all right, good to know. It's uh, cold no. <laughs> up here, man. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it is. I feel bad. I've been seeing pictures from people. I'm like, you know, we just got a little bit of ice here, and, you know, but it's basically fine beside that. I'm seeing all the snow elsewhere. So you stay warm. I hope you have some good, some good spoon buddies. That's why I got um, the sweater going. Okay. Okay. So um, you transitioning from that, you kind of touched on a little bit, but um, with this feeling about yourself and and mentioning, you know the the catalyst of the band is like a desire to to get your shit together. How does Stevie feel now? Like do you, where how do you feel about your um your state right now in the world? Are you are you are you feeling good about where you are as as an artist and as a person, or is it to to tie it to Birds of Bellwood? Is this a little bit of an easy situation where you feel like nobody, you feel like nothing? All that mm. I, I would just keep quoting, just keep my quoting lyrics.
1: the song. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you're right to quote it. That was written uh, from a very real place. Uh, that was me and uh, that was also Adrian's song. Uh, Adrian shares a lot of those sentiments. Um, so, I mean, it depends on the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Some days it's better. Some days it's worse. I don't think I'll ever be completely rid of uh, that that sense of being a fraud. Um, Mm -hmm. but there are also days where I am very confident about myself and my work. Um, How do I feel now? Uh, Birds of Bellwoods, we were in a really, really good position right before the pandemic. Uh, We -hmm. had just finished our first-ever arena tour, uh, supporting Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue on their farewell shows. We played to 150,000 Canadians across the country Uh, 28 shows, lived on a tour bus. We were really kind of at the peak of it. Um, And we were in a position to get into a studio. We were going to go down to the States to record our uh, second album. And we kind of uh, were riding this real high, and then it all came crashing down. Um, Mm -hmm. So picking up the pieces from that has been difficult. Um, The timeline has been slower than I would have wanted. A lot of days I wonder if uh, the world has kind of forgotten about us or moved on to the next thing. But from that place, I've also had an opportunity to really hunker down and ask myself, well, what if this is just for me? What if it means more that I believe in myself and that I'm creating work that I love? Um, Mm -hmm. And some days I'm able to do that. Um, Today, I'm feeling a little further away from music. uh, But I'm feeling a lot closer to uh, poetry and words. I'm, I'm currently... Writing uh, a poetic novel about uh, the history of my family. Um,
0: oh wow, cool!
1: So yeah, so I'm like I'm, I've, I've cracked, you know, I'm I'm past page one hundred now, and and things are coming out. And I guess I feel certain that I'm here to make art. That that, in terms of an output, is my path, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm lucky. To work in several different mediums, because when I feel uh, somewhat abandoned by one, I have another to lean on.
0: yeah, no, well, thanks for diving in all to that because again that that's really you know what this the show is about is kind of getting to the heart and soul of an artist, and so I think one of like a big part of it too is that we like to kind of um, get rid of some of the myths, and I think one of the ones that people talk about a lot of time is when you have you know some success there's the idea like okay well you are fully complete and happy now and you're you're done and yes
1: success success is like the most uh success is so much more intimidating than failure because success without momentum in this day and age kind of means nothing you know Mm -hmm. uh especially in music right now there's just such a wealth of content uh, mm-hmm. that a great album can come out a great song can come out and that's wonderful for a week uh, mm-hmm. and you know maybe if if uh, some publications pick it up and it gets uh, some some nods from uh, awards then then like maybe two weeks maybe even a month but it's never enough uh, so often mm-hmm. accepting and coming to love failure is a much a uh, more rewarding place to write from
0: yeah well and and yeah you know, just understanding the idea that that things are fleeting like i again a hundred percent agree with what you're saying uh again my co-host Noah and me we had a uh, we went out to dinner last week to celebrate because we had had a huge milestone with completing uh this first volume of, of our comic and we're now in the process of pitching it but while we were talking about it over dinner we were like even if this goes nowhere, like, which it might, it very realistically might, we need to be okay with that and be happy about the stuff, the physical stuff in front of us that we actually made, because you, as an artist, spend so much time just, like, making, 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 and then because of how the world is, the, the machine of it all, it is, like, it's very indifferent uh, because like you said, things things go so quickly, you know, that you can make something amazing that a lot of people go, hey, that's amazing. But if then you, you know, kind of tether yourself to that, it's going to be gone in two weeks yeah. or a week, like you said. And so if that's where you draw your meaning from, you're going to get burnt out and you're going to get destroyed because it's just not sustainable. Yeah,
1: the, the balloon turns into an anchor very quickly.
0: Yeah. That, that's great imagery. That's, that's a hundred percent it. Um, and so, you know, it's like a little reminder that we were trying to just kind of sit in where it's like, Hey, let like, this is why we're going to dinner because, we don't wanna just start working on the next volume. We don't wanna just start working on the next thing. We need to like celebrate this because it may be the only validation we get. So let's talk about how awesome this is.
1: Well then let me take this opportunity to congratulate you on that, my friend. That's very, very exciting. And I'm gonna to have to make sure to give you my address at the end of this so that you can send me a copy.
0: Oh, well thank you, friend. I I would love to do that. I uh yeah, that warms that warms my white Ecuadorian heart. So thank I you.
1: I look forward to reading.
0: <laughs> but I I all that to say, I love just what you're saying, and it's it's something that I know it's hard. Like I don't revel and be like, "Hello, artists! Like tell me about stuff that's difficult or painful." But it's it's hopefully therapeutic, and also in a way that brings us together, especially yeah, for the listeners. I mean, if
1: if if you don't if we don't want to talk about painful shit, then why are we artists?
0: Yes, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> and of if jobs we are, it's probably not very good talk
1: about that. Uh, this is the one where you where you kind of that that's the the one prerequisite.
0: One hundred percent, and I just think it's so good for you know young artists and, and people who are wanting to get into stuff to have this realistic expectation of like, hey, like things may very well go well for you. They might go well for you right away, but then they might go really bad like a year later. And like again, if if you're just in it for A, B, C, D, E, whether that's fame, money, blah, 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 blah. And these are all stereotypes that we talk about all the time, but it's true. It's like, you're going to get burnt out. It has to be about the thing. And so you mentioned your purpose. Stevie's saying, I feel like I was, I just feel like I'm meant to make things. And uh, you're working in different mediums uh, and you're still figuring out what, it's like, okay, do I need to focus here? Am I doing Birds of Bellwood stuff? Does it need to be acting? Does it need to be writing? But if it's about the uh the stuff that comes from that, it's like those things will fail you, so i just I love and appreciate the self awareness and I really want to affirm what you're saying because I think it's a healthy mentality, and I think it'll serve you well so yeah man
1: well, just more recently i'm also when I was on this trip when i was when I was in South America for a month, I also had this moment where I realized that uh, I put so much stake in purpose. Um, Mm. I've spent so much of my life going, what am I here to do? Like, what do I contribute? And I do believe that, like, in terms of a contribution to the world, one of the things that I can do well and that will be the most fruitful for myself and for others is to kind of process the world around me through art. But Mm -hmm. I'm also kind of in a place right now where I'm realizing that we live in this uh, infinite library of experiences and moments and places uh and like you couldn't, it, it would take your entire life to listen to every song that's already out. It would take more yeah. to read every book, uh, to go to every country and to have a, a, a bite from every dish. Um, and I think we get so distracted sometimes writing our books that we forget to read them as well, uh, and mm. to read the work of others. And so I'm also trying to sometimes take a moment and, and think of purpose more as a luxury. And that maybe the maybe the most noble pursuit of of being a human is actually to witness the beauty of the world. Does that make sense?
0: I think you're right. It is a hard thing because I think like the the artistic, the romantic in me is like, what is Kyle Stuke here for? Like yeah. what, what is my contribution? But, but weirdly, you're right, it's a lot it's of pressure like, too.
1: <laughs> it's like it's 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 beautiful but then it's also and i'm reflecting on myself here and in, in the language i use when i'm talking to myself about this stuff but it's like it has this this like insidious kind of capitalist edge because when we say mm-hmm. what's my purpose we go what am i putting out that people are going to consume yeah. right what am i making mm-hmm. that people can can take right what am i putting out that's going to further the world that, that that presses the machine forward um yes when actually you know like you know I, I yeah i i stood on this this mountain and i i looked down at this stream uh pressing through the rock and i i had this moment where i was like i'm never going to write anything as beautiful as this and that's mm. fine yeah how lucky am i that i get to see this that i get to hear this that i get to be part of it
0: yeah no i mean i i agree because i mean i think that's why i appreciate and find myself gravitating towards existentialism because I think I go, okay, like I have no idea what all of this is about. And it, it all could be kind of like pointless. And so I am the one who's having to decide, but then I, I, I agree with what you're saying to where, well, then if I decide my purpose is to create that can, that can veer into unhealthy territory where I'm like, how much can I produce? How much can I put out where, Like you're saying, there is, like, so much stuff that's already here that is, like, just open arms waiting for me to experience it. And that's not bad. And I think my productive side, I think my, like, my, I mean, like, I have my creative side, but then I also have my, like, hustling you know, productive business side that's like trying to be strategic and trying to do all this stuff. And I don't think that's bad. I think that's served me well, but it can get into unhealthy territory where it's like, every moment must matter. Everything I do must matter. And it's like, no, because we're not meant to, and I, when I say that again, I'm like, I don't know why I'm saying it, but it's like, no, it can't be that we're meant to just like, Like we have to waste some moments yeah, and and waste in quotation marks. Exactly. It's a question of
1: what is meaning. It's redefining what is meaning and what is purpose, which is a a lifetime, uh, which takes a lifetime.
0: Yeah. But I totally identify with the like looking at something or experiencing something and going, I will never do something that good. And I think that that can be discouraging, but it's also good because, again, to tie it back to the existential, it's like, it's relieving for me to know that I don't matter in yeah. the grand scheme of well, things. Yeah, well, and also, man, <laughs> that, that river
1: had a million years to press through that mountain and create this incredible landscape. We have, we have what? We got 60, 70, 80 years? That's not a lot of time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I got 70. I got, mm. I got 70 years. I'm not going to get to 80. I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, just, just cuz of uh, just cuz of the fast food. I'll see you on choices. your
1: 69th birthday, my friend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks man, I appreciate it. No, yeah, I and I mean, and this has been said before. This is like a crappy poem on a Hallmark card, but most of mine because are Because it's <laughs> but because it's limited is what makes it, you know, matter. I recently, I'm going to go on a quick rant here. I watched the new Marvel movie, The Eternals. And I was annoyed because you're telling me that all these people are like 6,000 years old and they haven't lost their minds. Mm -hmm. It like annoyed me that it wasn't part of the story that they're like weary from being alive so long um i was like no like if you're telling me this person like functions basically the same as a human being i was like that is so long to be alive and to see everyone you love die and to see civilizations fall like there's no way these people haven't like lost their minds or like fallen into despair or try or gone somewhere else or transcended yeah 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 and so anyway um it's like, yeah, like we, you know, in the grand scheme of you know, of the the earth and everything that's happened in the cosmos, it's like, we're not, we're just, we're we are little pieces of dust. And so it's like, there's, there's too much stuff for us to experience everything. So we might as well try to spend the time experiencing what does matter to us. So I was just talking to someone, I don't know if you identify with this, but it's hard for me to stop watching a movie or stop reading a book because I feel like I have to finish it to be able to have an opinion on it but then I'm like why am I why am I reading the finishing the book that I don't like I have 300 pages and I've already hated the first 100 why would I keep doing I should stop and do something else that will make me happy because that's time that Mm -hmm. I won't get back so I don't know trying to figure out I do
1: relate to that Eh, yeah just read the book sometimes it's uh, uh, sometimes
0: it's nice to hate something (laughs) yeah I'm gonna um, put that on a t-shirt and I'll put your name and it'll be it'll be my prized possession. So Stevie, let's continue then. What is, what is something that you wish you got asked more about Birds of Bellwoods? Is there is there an aspect of, of the band, the music, the writing, that where you're like, no one ever asked me about this you and know I want to talk about it.
1: It's an interesting question. Um, I wish people d- dove into the lyrics a little more. And this is very mm. much a, a me answer. I don't know if the rest of the band would say the same thing, but... I put so much time and thought and I share so many little pieces of my life, the good and the bad, through my lyrics. And I'm very conscious of the words that I choose and the the pictures mm-hmm. that I paint. And... I feel like so often the interviews are just like, what's a fun thing that happened to you on the road? Which is like, great, you know? (laughs) I'm I'm happy to talk about that. But yeah, like, I wish, I wish, I guess, that in interviews, uh, sometimes people held up a sentence, a lyric, Mm. you know, one chorus or one line from a verse. And we're like, here, when you said this in this song, where did that come from? What experience did that come from? What does it mean to you? And what do you hope it means for other people? That, I think- is is a big one for me.
0: Okay. No, that's good to know. I love that. So since we, you know, we and the audience got to listen to Pine Box, can we talk a little bit about Pine Box lyrics? Because <laughs> yeah. um, I want to I hear about that factory. Because I wonder if this is the thing where, um, uh, if you do get this, you've mentioned you haven't gotten it in interviews, but do you have the thing where people, like friends and family, bring you lyrics and they go, are you okay? Or, yes. did this happen? Uh, yeah,
1: 100%. <laughs> that totally happens. It's always uh, quite funny. As I, if I, if I really wasn't okay, I don't think I'd put it out there on Spotify for the world to hear.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's dive into Pinebox. Can you just tell us about the, the creation of that song in particular then?
1: Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, actually, I'm going to eat my words here because uh, Pinebox is in particular a song that I wrote very off the cuff. Uh, the intention mm. of it was really to be very uh, word association, stream of consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. But the the term pine box is a reference to. So I'm I'm uh, I'm Jewish. My family originally is from uh, like Poland, Russia, the Pale. Um, mm-hmm. We're Ashkenazi, and uh, when when. our our people die, uh, we bury them in a, in a pine box, in a very simple coffin made of pine wood. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's something about that image of the simplicity of that final resting place and uh, how it's natural and how it's not kind of removed from this world to which we return. Uh, That was very important to me. And then from there, it was the idea of not laying a person to rest, but laying someone who you've been to rest. Mm. Um a part of yourself that you need to let go of, whether that be an ambition or a fear or a way of identifying yourself that you're moving past now. Um, That's really where that song came from. It was about taking that piece of yourself that doesn't serve you anymore and giving it its proper burial.
0: Okay. I like that. That's cool. Um, I did not know what a pine box was, so um, now I'm trying to figure out because I realized that I made a mistake. Um, in, in referencing the the factory, because that's not the oh um, factory you're talking about the song factory. Yes, um, that's one I would like to hear about because that's one where I'm like, did Stevie actually work in a factory? And like, because th- that song kind of has. It paints a very that that song has a very like story. Yes, uh, I did to work it.
1: in a factory for some fifty years of my life. No, I did not. Um, but it's interesting <laughs> oh my God, because Stevie's
0: a vampire. <laughs> I
1: am. Don't tell anyone. Fuck, we're I recording will. right now, aren't we? Um. <laughs> so so, factory came from a few different places. Um, part of factory, honestly uh, and depressingly, came from a period of time where I was trying to write without inspiration. Um, Mm. I was just trying to pull blood from a stone and dredge songs out of uh, nothing. I was feeling very empty. I was feeling uh, very void. Um, But we still needed to create this music. We needed to press on and and make our second album. And like uh, we said, the machine never stops. So I had this feeling that, yeah, that I was basically just like punching in for a nine-to-five job Uh, assembling little pieces of something uh, for, as I said, for a stranger inside of me, for someone who I didn't Mm -hmm. recognize anymore. Um, So that's part of where that story came from. But another important element is uh, my partner is from Alberta and she's from a fairly small town in Alberta and a lot of people in her family uh, have jobs like this. And when when I go out there and when I have some drinks and I'm hanging out with them, there's always a moment where inevitably they go like, oh, you know, I used to play music or I did some acting or they talk mm. about art in this way. They were like, you know, you see the twinkle in their eye and, and and I realized that at one point it was this thing that meant so much to them, but the world kind of ground them down and instead they did what they needed to do to support their family, which is far more noble than packing up an acoustic guitar and wandering <laughs> the rails. Um but they committed their life instead to building something for their family and the next generation in the process they lost themselves. Um, and that's very much mm. what that, song's come, so, that song comes from. And uh, Jason Isbell's writing was a bit of an inspiration to me uh, for this one as well. He's a wonderful country singer. Um and mm. in his songs, a lot of the time they feel so personal that you're like, man, this this man's life is so uh, treacherous and horrific and, oh, he's been through so much. Uh, but then you come to realize that he's just putting himself in the shoes of someone that he knows or recognizes. Mm. So Factory is written from an imagined perspective from a character that I kind of created, but it pulls from very real feelings that I struggle with and it pulls from the experiences of uh of my partner's family and things that i a lowly city boy have gone out (laughs) down the country road and 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 plucked from their apple tree
0: that that is what i imagined but i am happy to get the the backstory and that makes sense it is again it's the funny art thing where it's like oh what as a writer you like you, you, you were, you know, creative, and you like—I know, right? A character did something. It's like that wasn't actually you. Like what? <laughs> um, so, and there's also some some lovely uh,
1: reflections on uh, inflation and just like the this this kind of company store reality that we are all mm-hmm. uh, consigned to living, at least in North America, uh, where it seems like no matter how much we get it's never quite enough. Yeah. It's always Absolutely. tomorrow that we'll get to finally release and be ourselves, right? If I just have mm-hmm. a little bit more, if I make a little bit more money, if I get the house, if I get the car, if I put my kid in school, then I can finally be me. Um, and people people die in that place. Uh, people mm-hmm. live their entire lives in that place. And I hope that people hear that song and go take the fucking dance class that they've been putting off or whatever it is.
0: Well you don't need to you don't need to throw me under the bus like that, man. Like message received, okay? Like don't do it. Geez. <laughs> you know, we you're talked making about that in private. Book. You're but... doing these
1: interviews. You're living it, brother. You're doing you're doing it perfectly.
0: But I'm not dancing, Stevie. Um no. Uh yes, I I I love the it is hard, you know, it's like life is hard. It it can it can beat you down and you know, people can get discouraged and stuff, but yeah, going for stuff, I will always affirm people going for stuff. And it doesn't have to look a certain way either. Like I think have like we talked about like what does success even mean? It's like, yeah, yeah throw that out. It's like as long as you're being able to express yourself and and fulfilling you know that desire in you. It doesn't matter how it looks, as long as you're happy. It doesn't. If the world's like that's not really dancing, who cares? As long as the what you're doing, how you're moving your body makes you happy, you're doing in a space that makes you happy. Do it, listener.
1: Yeah, joy, joy is a is a virtue, uh, and it is often unsung.
0: Yeah. So two things. So first off. This is not a question. I just am way too late in the interview going to compliment you. But this is what I, I mean, there's a lot of great things going on in Birds of Bellwoods, but one of them in particular, and why I'm talking to you in this moment is your voice. I really like your voice. Um, (laughs) It's so good because just like us talking about Pine Box and Factory, I was like starting to like hear it in my head. And I was like, oh, Stevie's voice is like really good. That means the world to to me, man. And honestly, I needed
1: (laughs) to hear it today because I've been sitting uh, at my computer and one of the things that I'm trying to do is work on this, uh, like a a batch of new tunes. And I, while I was traveling, I kind of uh, took a moment away from singing um, and my voice Hmm. is feeling like a little rusty and I'm not very comfortable with it and I'm feeling a bit pitchy. Uh, and like definitely not in love with my own voice today. So thank you for that. That means a lot to me and is reassuring.
0: Yeah, no, my pleasure. I think like uh, it works really well in in the folksy vibe. And again, that's what originally drew me to you in songs like Roll Your Stone. Like it's just like, it just, I mean, it was funny because I never would have guessed like you were Canadian in my mind because I'm in Arkansas, in the Ozarks, in the United States. I'm just like, oh, this is such a like, ozark folk song like i could just, i pitch i totally pictured the wrong people while this is when, when you don't know what people look like i just pictured this group of like these these banjo dudes just like hopping around you didn't and picture a red-headed canadian jew i did not i did not and that's my fault for not being as creative uh as i could have been but uh <laughs> that's not your fault that's my fault
1: for uh doing an impression of a southern yeah. gentleman <laughs>
0: Well, it was good, but then it also again, I think it, it works really well with kind of uh, the way the the, the sound has uh, evolved. Um, I I think in particular, I don't know how to describe this what you're doing with your voice, but I love when you really um, kind of and again, I'm struggling for words now, but the best I can say is when st- when your voice gets emotional and you kind of like mm, great, not scream, great, yeah, there yeah. you go. That thank you for working through that with me. I love when you do that. It like what those crescendos in your songs, like when you do that, it's very tasty. I wish I had more language. I'm not a music person, so um, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Tasty regard, is but.
1: the perfect word for it. If if it if it is tasty for you, my man, thank okay, you. Well, that thank means that means a lot to me. It really does.
0: I'm again. I'm just glad it exists. So thank you for making it. Um, going back to the band, something I'm curious about is the brotherhood aspect of it. You know, me working with my friend Noah, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and a a big thing about being friends with someone and growing with someone is that you have little spats. you got conflict, and how you deal with that is what differentiates something lasting as opposed to those groups that they're like, hey, guess what? We're making something, and then they burn out. And that's something I've been so thankful for is having a creative partner who I can continually talk with and grow and be honest and like have that comfortability of knowing, Oh, we're like fighting right now. And he's kind of pissing me off. And like, I need to not be around you right now, but I know that like tomorrow we're going to come back together and we're going to be fine. And we're not even going to think about this. And I can't think about stuff with Noah because that's the, the dynamic we have is that we work through stuff and we're really good friends. So I'm curious. It's like you guys, there's a bunch of you you're in closed spaces together. You're spending a lot of time together. You're going on the road together. You're critiquing each other because again, the goal is to make good stuff. So it's like, Hey, this lyric maybe could be this way or Hey, maybe you should do that. People guys telling each other what to do always results in issues sometimes. Um, And so I'm just curious with you guys, what has when you started out to now, how, have, how has that relationship been and how has it improved? And how do you navigate? all? It's of an that?
1: interesting question. Um, when you say brotherhood, I think that's like the the most active word, uh, in all of this, because do you have, do you have a brother? I do. Yes. So um, you love your brother, right?
0: No, no, no. Yes, I do. Yeah, I love you, Jonathan. You I'm just joking. I, you love your brother,
1: <laughs> but do you always like your brother?
0: no sorry Joe. yeah
1: that's okay man i have two <laughs> brothers as well and a sister um and yeah that's it man like you you get so close to each other you become family and especially when you're writing music together you're literally saying like here's this fragile little baby bird here's a piece of my heart a little fragment of it that i plucked out the last time it exploded so uh what do you think <laughs> of this And sometimes it's like, nah, it it doesn't really do anything for me. Or it's like, yeah, this story doesn't really track. I think we can make this better this way or that way. And if you don't have trust, then you don't really have anything. Um, So one thing is knowing that, yeah, when you're family, you're not always going to get along. And people are going to say things that piss you off or rub you the wrong way. uh, Or they're Mm -hmm. going to use a collaborative vocabulary that doesn't sit well with you you know they might be too direct or too aggressive or too opinionated or might come off as not open or you know a a bunch of other things but i think one thing that i really try to do is i try to recognize that i can come off that way too sometimes um Mm -hmm. and so i need to be forgiving in the same way that i ask for forgiveness for myself um And our creative vocabulary over the course of working together has really developed. Uh, When we first started writing music together, I primarily wrote the lyrics. Adrian would help me kind of put together and edit them. We'd find a melody together, and then all together we would create uh, the kind of structure and and turn it into a song and the instrumentation and everything like that. But since uh, the fifth, our first EP, we have really Mm -hmm. moved in the direction of uh, creating the work together. Um, And now, yeah, it's like it's five hands on one pencil writing one poem, Uh, which is really Mm. tricky Uh, if someone has a strong feeling to go in one direction or another and the rest of the hands buck against it. You end up with just like a a scribble on a page and nothing works out. Um, But we make a really strong effort to use constructive vocabulary, uh, to be supportive, to identify the things that we love before the things that don't sit as well with us. And we try as much as possible to get ego out of the room um, Mm -hmm. and just serve the song. Uh, The song is the most important thing. The song outlives all of us. The song outlives this project. Uh, We have to write in service of the song. And when we're really able to accept that, uh, there's, not really any hurt feelings because it's not about you or me or anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the listener in the end. Uh, yeah, so that's, like, developed. But, like, yeah, we, we still have spats. We still have struggles. Um, and then, yeah, that's where trust comes into play. Like, I really do believe that I'm working with four of the most talented musicians uh, and songwriters that I know. Uh, and if I'm not going to kind of take my hand off the wheel from time to time and believe that they have the best intentions and uh, the best course of action in mind, then then why am I collaborating with them? Why aren't I just doing this by myself?
0: That's a really good ending thought. I love that. It was like, again, for for a listener to kind of take to heart, it's like, if you have a creative partner or a group that you're working with, it's like kind of taking a moment to reflect and being like, if I don't, think this about whoever i'm working with and like why am i maybe working i need with to reevaluate him. yeah and so i love that and i also really like the the term uh creative vocabulary it's very simple but i'm like oh yeah that's like it's it's a different vocabulary it and is so um it's I, a it's I'm a working vocabulary
1: that. it's a professional vocabulary you know
0: mm-hmm. speaking of uh spats you know tiffs and stuff you guys seem to have a very creative or specific um, pre-show ritual. And I feel like it involves you guys racking each other. I don't know if this is 100% true, but from watching interviews, it seemed like you guys, like, try to smack each other a little bit. Whiskey's involved horse plays involved. Maybe this isn't true because your face is saying it's not. There was a time, (laughs) I think, earlier
1: uh, in our our time on the road where, yeah, trying to punch each other in the nuts was a (laughs) fundamental part of our pre-show ritual. Uh, But we have grown a little bit since then and uh, more importantly, uh, people got hit a little too hard at various points right before we went (laughs) on stage. So we have now removed that and uh our uh our pre-show ritual continues to uh redefine itself and expand mm. with every little run of shows that we do um so whiskey is still involved punching each okay. other in the nuts is sadly something we've retired but every now and then no. i still try to bring it out <laughs>
0: <laughs> an old, an old, an old gift from the past. Uh, I think that's. I think it's good that it. It's not as much of a thing. I, again, I can't play an instrument, so I don't really. I can't.
1: Um, it's hard to go out and and sing the leads when your voice is like two octaves higher than it usually is. Yeah. If I'm
0: if I'm having to sit down to play drums and I'm like limping, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's good that it, that it's been retired. Last question about just you know performing specifically with these guys you know based on everything you've said so far I feel like you know you were a pretty extroverted kid pretty excited you know uh, outgoing and stuff and so what was it like for you starting the beginning of a band like performing live like was it nerve-wracking for you or did you quickly kind of fall in love with like okay i walk out there's people there to see me i fell in amount. love with it
1: immediately i mean the answer mm. to, to both of those things is yes like yeah it's okay. nerve-wracking my heart still like goes up into my throat every time we take the stage but uh i just feel so lucky um and i forget who it was but someone told me one day when i was talking about the nerves that no one is at a show hoping that it's bad Everyone Mm -hmm. is out there hoping to have a wonderful and even life-changing experience. Everyone's there because they like the music or they have someone who brought them who likes the music or at the very least they're interested in the music. Uh, No Mm -hmm. one goes to a show and goes, man, I hope they suck tonight. So (laughs) they're all on your side. So really, you're out there looking at a crowd of people who have come to this place to support you in this artistic endeavor um and that's so inspiring but more than anything man is the it's just the the energy of the room it's just so electric yeah i fell in love with it immediately um whether it be from theater well yeah so i was doing live performances in theater before i was Mm -hmm. playing shows with the band and what i love about live music is that people are up on their feet they're allowed to drink they're allowed to dance. Like, can you imagine a play so good that your body just got up out of its chair and started dancing? Can you imagine <laughs> how good that play would have to be? Um yeah. and that happens every night. Um, so so I, I love it. And I think I come alive most in a live uh live performance. Um and it's just like my favorite part is just making contact, seeing and being with my audience and I'm shouting out my fears and insecurities and doubts, uh, and pains and joys. And they're shouting them right back at me. And it's this big, like resounding. Yeah. I, I, I feel that too. Um, mm-hmm. and then we all get to celebrate that together. It's the anxiety that we're all dancing about, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world.
0: Speaking of anxiety, I, I, have a thing where I put myself mentally into situations that I'll never be in and then I get nervous thinking about them. And one of those things is trying to sing while, uh, you know, um, basically stage diving and then, like, getting passed around by the crowd. And so, for you, I know that you've done that. Yeah, it's the best. Do you ever go, hey, I'm going to jump into the crowd and maybe they're not going to be super strong or how do I get back? No, or, maybe you maybe I'll you miss a first. verse or...
1: You look first, you cast uh-huh. your eye out in the audience, you find the one with the with the rippling arms, and you aim for that <laughs> person. Um, and I actually always stage dive backwards so that okay. I'm not scared about it. I just mm-hmm. fall. I do like the nesty plunge um, and yeah. just trust uh, so that I don't get too in my head about it or have those fears. Um, and in terms of like getting back to the stage, why well, I got to get back to the stage? I got the microphone <laughs> in my hand. I love singing verses when I'm out and amongst the crowd. And, like, I also, although I, I like, practice some of those moves. um, So, like, I'll kind of time it out. If I'm doing a stage Mm -hmm. dive, I'll be like, okay, at this point in the song, this is when I'm going to try to go over. And then, like, how far can I get before I have to, like, tap and put me back down and I run back. So I I always, like, Mm -hmm. all those moments there 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 are elements of them that are set that keep it from getting too crazy and then room to improvise within
0: it absolutely has there has it ever uh has one ever gone wrong or has they all gone well
1: for you Ooh, i've never and like knock on wood as i say this um i've yeah. <laughs> never i've never not been caught uh when mm-hmm. i've done a stage dive i have definitely cranked my back pretty bad uh there was a show in jasper we were headlining a music festival out there and i like jumped off of a speaker like off of the stage and down into the audience just like to land on my feet and i didn't bend mm-hmm. my knees and i yeah i like almost popped a disc it was real bad but like you don't feel Damn. that while you're in that moment the adrenaline takes mm-hmm. over you'd get to the rest of the show and then i went to like you know take some of our stuff off stage pack up and i was like okay i'm just gonna lie down here for the next hour or so (laughs) so yeah it happens but it's hazards of the job you know that's why Mm -hmm. you gotta stretch first
0: well and then speaking of stretching i'm curious about your uh taking care of your voice uh liam who is lead singer of family crest who we had on that was kind of an eye-opening interview where he just talked a lot about his voice and voice prep and just to some of the like Murphy's Law of bad timing where like he gets a cold or something happens to his voice and he's doing all these things before a show. So for you, I'm curious, like what is some of the the prep or it depends you know, on secret the length, tips and stuff?
1: It depends on the length of the tour. Um, so if it's just a one-off show, I can kind of get away with shit because we're just going mm-hmm. out there and we're going to sing and if my voice is a bit fucked up the next day, not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. But if we're doing longer roots and we're doing like four show weeks or or even like three in a row. Um yeah, I have my ritual. I stretch, I took a bunch of stuff in theater school and from voice classes at uh National. Um so there's there's stretching, there's breathing exercises, there's humming, um there's like lip trills and tongue trills and scales uh and we all do like some scales together as a warm up. Uh, and I try to have, like, maybe one, two drinks, like maybe two shots of whiskey or something just to kind of open the channel up a little bit. Here's Mm. my big secret tip for everyone. Oh, heck. Get ready, everybody. Yawning. Yawn. Literally Um, um... spend five minutes straight uh, at some point during your pre-show warm-up just... (laughs) Just yawn, because it's incredible. It lubricates your entire system. It opens up your channel. It lifts your soft palate. Um, Like, the the benefits of yawning before singing are innumerable. And if you do, and I'm not kidding, like five minutes, like 300 seconds of yawning, uh, it makes a big difference. And then very important, and actually arguably more important, is... um, warming down after the show. Mm. Uh, I really like to go out to the merch table and into the audience and like meet the fans mm-hmm. and talk and chill. Cause like I, I consider them all my friends. Um, but mm-hmm. if you have a big show the next day and then you're out and the music is playing and you're yelling at everyone and you're in like, maybe you're in a place where it's a bit more of like a smoky or dirty bar. And you have dust in mm-hmm. there and you're drinking and you're getting dehydrated Um, you can really wreck yourself for the next show. So warming down and talking, like people will lean in if they want to hear you. You don't have to yell across the venue
0: at them. Yeah.
1: So yawn and whisper.
0: Okay, nice. Dude, so how long did it take before your bandmates were like, dude, are you just, like, super bored? Like, what's up? Like, or did they know instantly that that's what you were doing when you were yawning, that you were you were preparing yourself?
1: Oh, I uh, am, like... I, I I talk way too much and try to always convince my band to, like, do every little thing with me because I'm very <laughs> ritualistic. So they knew immediately uh-huh. what I was doing because I was like, oh, you know, I heard this thing and I had this class. No, 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 no. And you guys should try it too. And they were like, cool. Ha, nope. Um <sighs> But yeah, no, they they didn't think I was sleepy or anything like that.
0: If you don't mind, would love to transition to a little bit of the acting and then um, I'll let you get out of here because I want to give you your evening. Uh, you're being very kind and hanging out with me, but um, don't want to, you know, um, I can't think of the word right now, uh, but I don't want to not engage with that aspect of Stevie. Same with the writing, um, but acting. Do you yeah. have the still the same... Uh, representation that you got when you were a wee little lad? I do.
1: I've had the same agent since I was, uh, yeah, six or seven years old. Her name is Mary Swinton. Uh, She's like a parent to me. She's a friend. She's a confidant. Uh, I have her to thank for all of the acting work I've done so far in my life.
0: Well, and that, um, I'm glad you you mentioned like her, her name and stuff and, and that relation because I was curious about the dynamic between an actor and an agent. That's something that is very unfamiliar to me. So I'm curious, like, is most of the time is she bringing stuff people. to you?
1: Yes, she is most of the time bringing things to me, uh, especially when it comes uh, to film and television. That's just kind of the way of the world. Casting directors contact agents and ask for submissions, and then from there, I can't just, like, email a casting director and be like, hey, what, what are you up to? What are you casting? Can mm-hmm. I give it a shot? But then, like, sometimes, you know, like, for Alias Grace, uh, I did a play in Toronto at Factory Theatre called The Crackwalker, uh, directed by Judith Thompson, who also wrote it, and uh, Sarah Polly actually saw me in that play And then from there, got in touch with the casting director she was working with on Alias Grace to bring me in for an audition. So sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes this way. But I always make sure that Mary is kind of the threshing floor because I want to Mm -hmm. make sure that the contracts that I'm being engaged in are fair and equitable. Um, And yeah, she's just, she's my right hand on that. You know, I, I trust her to go over the details of something more than i do myself and then that leaves me more time to do the fun part
0: yeah so a quick you know interjection for our listeners i told this to stevie but uh, off air but that was a, such a fun discovery for me in doing my creeper stock session on stevie getting ready for this interview was going oh what stevie's not just you know freaking in birds of Bellwoods. he's also an actor and then with that i was like oh you know he's probably in stuff that i don't know about like whatever but then i was like oh freaking alias grace one of my favorite mini series to come out in the last 10 years okay um and so audience if you have not watched alias grace it is on netflix it is excellent um you know great period please sorry period piece i'm so excited i can't talk period piece um with incredible acting nice fun mystery thriller but also get you in the feels and then freaking Stevie's in it um <laughs> just popping up because he's not busy enough so Stevie before we get to Alias Grace I want to ask you one more question about um you and your manager or sorry your agent mm-hmm. um does she kind of does she do any filtering in terms of like the types of roles or does basically she give you everything and then going off of that I want to know what kind of stuff do you are you interested in? Are there stuff you are like, eh, I don't really want to do, I don't want to be in a horror movie, I'm more interested in this, or do you not care? It's just Um, if it's well-written. If it's
1: well-written, then I'm interested, basically. Uh, Like I said, the way uh, the industry works in Canada, or I guess more specifically my place within it, I'm not Mm -hmm. yet in a position to really turn down very much, but Mm -hmm. she does a little bit of filtering if she knows that it's going to be a waste of my time, if she knows that it's a project that, uh, doesn't really have legs, probably won't move forward into production, or is going to be- mm-hmm. offer me a contract that uh, isn't fair to me, then yeah, she'll definitely, like, push those off the table. Um, but, like, I'm interested in great stories, uh, and I love immersing myself in a character. Um So as long as there's that, as long as there's a character that I can really sink my teeth into and there's good writing uh, and I believe in the project and I believe that the story will do some good or at the very least create like, you know, a fun evening at home, then I'm Mm -hmm. down because the other thing that I love most about acting is just the wonderful people that you meet and the incredible people that are involved in the production, right? Like every Mm -hmm. person on that set will have an incredible story about how it is that they arrived in that place and why it is that they do that work. And I just love the environment. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in good work. I think that's the simplest way to put it.
0: Now I'm really hoping that I'll get a specific answer with my question. And if I don't, I'll be sad and I'll probably have to edit it out. But I'm curious, uh, was Zachary Levi cool? Ah, I only met Zachary Levi very briefly
1: in the makeup trailer Because we weren't in scenes together. But he seemed. I don't
0: remember. Okay.
1: He seemed like a. We were on set similar days. And actually, I think in one scene, he rides a horse this way and I ride a horse that way. (laughs) So we nodded at each other. He seemed like a really, really wonderful, sweet guy, and everyone on the set could not speak more highly of him. Uh, he was well-loved and well-admired and did some phenomenal work on that project.
0: Okay, I'll take it. And, I, and I'm going to rewatch that horse nod scene just so that I can I can it, see both of you. It's the <laughs> best part of the whole
1: show. I'm amazed that, that uh, it doesn't stick out in your mind.
0: I again, I'm an imperfect man, Stevie. I'm, learning. I'm on a I'm horse. Growing. I
1: tilt my chin. This isn't bringing up anything for you. I'm on a horse. <laughs> I, I incline my chin. He I see it now. I maybe see Maybe does now, it back. I don't know, whatever Zachary did. Um, but yeah, I can't, well, all right. I don't think you really Stevie, watched Stevie,
0: there's it. no need to raise your voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that is fun to hear. Uh, again, yeah, great cast. Uh, Alias Grace really did come out of nowhere. I, I remember just seeing it pop up on, on Netflix, and I was like, oh, sweet, um, and then was not disappointed. So everyone should go check it out. Um, in regards to acting, uh, I'm curious, what's what's your favorite experience in either film or television uh and it could be in terms of role or just like how much fun you had
1: uh oof that's gonna change with every project i do but i'm gonna give you right now i think the the three latest projects that i did all of which are going to be coming out soon um because i genuinely just had an amazing time uh, working on all of them i did an episode of a show called transplant um and i got to act with a, a former teacher of mine, uh, someone who taught me in my first year at National Theater School. I was oh, playing wow, his son, cool. so it was this really cool like completion of a circle where now uh, he you know, taught me so much that I know and so many of the tools that I use, and then we were on set together. And uh, I got to work with this wonderful actor named Hamza Haq, who is uh, the lead on that show. And we just became really, really good friends right out of the gate. We're still uh, in touch a lot. Um, I got one of the tattoos I have in uh, his hotel room at the Shangri-La the last time he was in Toronto. Um,
0: Oh, wow. So it was a
1: really, really cool project, and the production team was all speaking in French, and then on set it was English, so I got to flex both of those muscles. And, yeah, that was great. The other thing is I just uh, recently did a feature film called One Up, uh, produced by Lionsgate and BuzzFeed, and that is going to be coming out, uh, I think, sometime this year. Uh, And I was working with, um, like, Hari Neff and uh, Taylor Zekar Perez and and some really, really incredibly talented uh, actors who, again, became very, very good friends of mine. And I enjoyed that one so much because there was such an element of improv to it. It was a comedic Mm. script, and the director really gave us some free reign to kind of run with it. As long as we got the words on the page, then we had time after. Because everyone was so efficient and strong... Uh, to just kind of riff. And uh, me and and an actor named DJ Mausner, we did some of my favorite work that I've ever done in that show, just kind of bouncing off of each other. And then the last thing is uh, my friend Knox, uh, Karen Knox, who's an incredible indie filmmaker and uh, television producer here in Canada, uh, has a series that she created for a network called CBC Gem called Homeschooled, that is going to be coming okay. out sometime in the next year. And I just got to do like a little one episode part on that, just because, you know, we're homies. And she was like, come on in, do a little turn. Uh, and I just loved my costume and I loved the environment. And I loved watching Knox absolutely run the set. Uh, I think she's one of the like great talents of our city. Um, and I was just excited to kind of be a, a part of her rise to fame.
0: Cool. I'm I'm super excited to, to look out for that. Um... All of that. We just, ha- again, I uh, mentioned having lots of Canadians on. So we had Erin Fitzgerald and it was just cool to hear her talk about upcoming stuff and then be like, okay, well, I'm going to see that stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'll, while I experience, I'll just go, wow, like I talked to that person. So I feel the same way. I definitely will seek um, all of that out and it'll be fun. it be like, there's Stevie. I there I am. To Stevie. There's that thing he mentioned. So um and an audience i encourage the same and something we do do on humming fools is, is like everyone that's on just becomes family and alumni and so even you know when the interview is is old and and gone and it's been years just as our alumni has cool stuff come out we will just regularly refer or plug it and so um again with those episodes we'll be sure to whenever you pop up in cool stuff we'll be sure to let people know and hopefully get them to go check it out that's awesome um, Another person that just came to mind that I remembered you worked with, uh, who I'm curious about, uh, what, was Jane Levy fun to work with? I forget the name of the film, but it was, that Jane was a Levy. weird that movie. Jane that was a film called
1: Bang Bang Baby <laughs> by Jeffrey St. Jules. Uh, yeah, that was some weird, it was like an absurdist, musical, romantic horror comedy. I don't even know mm-hmm. how to classify it. Yeah, uh, Jane's incredible. Jane's a powerhouse. Like, very little acting required. I just kind of... Uh, bounced off of her uh yeah she was she was a delight she was super professional uh super fun to be around and and made the job very easy for me because so all i had to do was basically be in love with her and like how could you not
0: yeah no exactly i was like i i don't view myself as an actor but i was like put me in there i'll i'll do this exact same thing of just being like oh jane i love you Please, you would have been Stop. great for that part thank you stevie i appreciate that um you yeah, will I'm, I'm going to your, talk to your agent and be like, listen, if you need white Ecuadorians to be hopeless romantics, find those roles for me and I'll do it. Stevie, again, like I said, I want to give you the rest of your evening. You're an hour ahead of me. And so I don't want to be greedy because you have been so generous. But before we get to rapid fire, before we test your skills at answering questions quickly, I just want to know if there's anything that you want to talk about similar to the band question uh is there stuff that you don't get asked about in, in any aspect of a performer whether it be writing or acting or that stuff is there anything you're like damn it kyle i wish that we could have talked about this and i'm mad that you didn't bring it up you know
1: what uh, that's an interesting question i feel like the lyrics thing kind of covered that for me um okay. in terms of acting i could talk for hours about technique and tools that i use um but that's a really technical conversation that I'm not sure everyone will be particularly interested by. And we can save that for another time that we're chatting. Uh, In terms of the writing thing, um, yeah, I'm writing a novel. I don't have much to say about it at this time other than that it is a poetic novel and I'm very excited about uh, what may come of it. Um, But I think, again, we'll have to talk about that when there's a little more meat on the bone.
0: Absolutely. And that is a thing. If there's ever, again, for... If there's big stuff that comes out, Stevie, and you want to promote that crap and have a very specific conversation about it, very happy to do so. We're going to be doing that with some of the um, other bands and stuff that we've talked to because as a person, you have so much to get into. And so it is kind of hard being like, okay, listener, here's a good overview image of this person. But then I hear you, dude. I look
1: at my to-do list every day and I'm like, "This this is for different people. (laughs)
0: it really is yeah you do a lot and it's very different and so Mm. um, yeah I I would love to to dive into specific stuff if there's ever like a specific project or something that you want to promote or whatever that would be super fun so you got it um, well then let's my friend uh, dive in to the rapid fire if you're ready are you ready Stevie I'm ready don't don't go easy on me buddy you ask me the big ones okay let's do it in a physical brawl to the death polar bear or grizzly bear who wins polar bear if I bought an old military jacket, locked myself in a room with a typewriter and a pack of darts, what do you think would happen?
1: You would write a play called Letters to Annabelle uh, and it would not be very good, but there'd be some fun moments.
0: And would it be any different if I had Pell mell and Moulin Rouge? Uh, then you would
1: definitely write the exact play, Letters to Annabelle, okay. <laughs> which I really encourage no one to look up. Uh, my two... And review from Now Magazine. (laughs) Not my fault. Production was flawed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you got a nickname based off the title of something you acted in, what would you prefer? Tough Jew or Wet Bum? Ooh, tough
1: Jew. But let's be
0: realistic. I'd probably get Wet Bum. (laughs) Will Peter ever go back to the rattlesnake farm? Ooh. Yeah,
1: I think he's there now. He wasn't in the last season, which leads me to believe that he went back to the rattlesnake farm and uh, discovered some secrets that he wasn't meant to uncover.
0: Okay. If I'm divided by what I could still be and then subtracted from the piece of me that you still can't see, what am I?
1: (laughs) Uh, Let me think about that. Hold on. If you're divided by what you could still be and then Mm -hmm. subtracted... Well, you're not what you've been.
0: True. Boom. More points for you. On a scale of one through 10, 10 being the worst, how itchy was your alias Grace beard? Fucking 10. It was the most (laughs) itchy.
1: It felt, I am convinced it was made of pubes. (laughs) I cannot explain to you how, because they also covered my face in glue to make me look older and like hold my expressions in like an angry old man face. So you're just covered mm. in glue and pubes in a wool jacket in 35-degree heat.
0: Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, the Postal Service or Bulo? Oh,
1: man. I love Bulo, but I got to go with the Postal Service on this one. It was a life, life-changing band for me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the classic. I get it. Yeah. What's the best way to approach stage banter when you're in an empty room?
1: <laughs> uh, talk to your band.
0: Okay. Have any other men besides Salvatore Antonio been able to get you into a wedding dress? Um, in a metaphorical sense. Yes, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. Leslie Autumn Jr. in Hamilton or Anne Hathaway in Les Mis? Oh my God. How dare you? <laughs> that is not
1: a fair question. Oh, I mean, look, Anne Hathaway got an Oscar for being on screen for eight minutes. I think that says a lot. But Leslie Odom Jr. is like, you know what? Leslie Leslie's just on his way up. Let's give it to Anne.
0: Okay, okay. I'm not mad about it. Better drinking buddy, Ian McGregor or young Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: Ian McGregor or young Leonardo DiCaprio? Absolutely, Ian McGregor. Well look better drinking buddy or like, who do I want to have a drink with it? Look either way, you and McGregor,
0: he's so charming. Also, I just like to apologize to the audience. I always don't say you and I say Ian and it's wrong and I'm sorry. And I recognize it, and I'll be better. It's okay. um, I'm here. I can just
1: reference the tattoo over my heart.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Stevie. Hypothetically, how would an American podcaster with great hair break it to his friends and family that the girl he's dating is a ghost? What is this a reference to? I don't even want to know. Ask me the question again. (laughs) Okay. Hypothetically, how would an American podcaster with gray hair, not as great as some people, Mm -hmm. break it to his friends and family that the girl he's dating is a ghost? I would say invite her for dinner.
1: And if you love her, then Mm -hmm. they will love her too. Corporeal or no.
0: (laughs) Why did you come on this podcast? Why did I come on this
1: podcast? Because a really sweet, lovely guy who had some insightful thoughts about my work invited me on, and I love to talk about myself.
0: (laughs) And finally, if your first album, Victoria, had to get its title changed, which one of these edits would you choose? So instead of Victoria, Victoria's Secret, or The Southern Tip or Oops, I Married My First Cousin, or Retirees and Plum Trees, or 19th Century Opium. 19th Century go... Opium. <laughs> all right. No need to go through them again. Just so you know, audience, those were all references to Victoria. Um, so Papa did his research. Um, I can see I that. learned about Canada, but um, anyway... You made it, Stevie. You 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 did it. That, well, that was, was the wrap.
1: I had I had a <laughs> lot of fun. That was great.
0: Yes, no. Me too. Thank you. Good job. And uh with us here at the end of the episode, uh, the final thing is just to to roll out the curtain and say, where do you want people to go? Is there a website, Instagram, social media? What would you like to plug, my friend?
1: Uh, I guess the primary thing is just to find us on social media at Birds Bellwoods. Uh and Maybe check out our new music video for our song, Creep. Uh, that's on YouTube. You can find us at Birds of Bellwoods. Uh, if you're interested about me and my acting and all of my other fun little exploits, you can go to Stevie underscore Joffe uh, on Instagram or Twitter or any place like that. Uh, and yeah, birdsofbellwoods.com. You can find me there. Check my IMDb.
0: All right. Listeners, you, you heard it. You need to go do this. I am giving you homework. That is the homework. Go check out Stevie's stuff. Uh, show them some love for for coming on. And thank you, listener, just for being here. Again, appreciate y'all. Sometimes these episodes are a little bit shorter and sometimes they're longer. And so I don't take it for granted that you guys decide to put me in your ear holes. I appreciate it. Um, and I think you're great and objectively attractive. So we're going to keep <laughs> uh, getting new interviews and stuff. But until next time, guys, just keep on humming and keep on food.